Hello, everyone. You are listening to the 1% Christian. That is the Bible study where we take about 1% of our day. We get some Bible study in. We dive into uh, the Gospel of John right now. And uh, we also pray. We focus on an attribute of God. And the goal is to take this 1% and then head into the remaining 99% and do something awesome. So I'm excited to continue this journey with you. We are going to go through a very, very important chapter. Not that uh, there are others that are less important, but we have a a situation in John chapter three, where uh, Jesus has an encounter with a very, very influential uh, person. And uh, it is a conversation that is definitely worthy of examination. But before we get started today, I want to invite you to download our digital app. It's actually on the Sound of Heaven uh, mobile application that we just launched not that long ago. There is a free digital Bible on there. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So you can follow along, but there is more than a digital Bible. There are some uh, great teachings, uh, some good resources. Uh, There are some great articles on there, uh, testimonies, you name it. Just download it, check it out. You can also go to soh.church to learn more about Sound of Heaven. That's where I'm one of the pastors over there. Um, And I want to invite you to church. Uh, Every Sunday, 1030, we do uh, Bible studies throughout the week. Listen, if you're within 500 miles, you'll want to drive. It'll be worth it. Uh, But if not, you can also go to soh.church and check out our live stream. So, okay, without further ado. We're going to jump into John chapter three. It's a famous chapter because uh, you've seen them. Uh, the folks at the uh, at sports games holding up signs, John three sixteen, uh, and you may or may not know what John three sixteen is. We'll get to that. But this chapter is very, very powerful, and it's telling, and it's a, a point in Jesus's ministry where he is sharing really who he is, and he's doing so, like I said, with a very influential person. Just to recap uh, kind of our last bit of developments here from John chapter 2, okay? In John 2, we see Jesus going to the temple. They are selling sacrifices outside of the temple in the courts of the Gentiles, right? This is the place where uh, right outside or it was really in the temple, but it was as far as those who were not believers could go. And they're pri- the merchants are price gouging out there. And just setting a really bad example uh, as to what it means to worship God. And Jesus is not, you know, flipping over tables and chasing people out to hurt them. He's trying to disrupt what is going on and change the way that people are worshiping God. Because that way of worshiping in that old covenant was very transactional. You had to bring a sacrifice. You had to buy these things and you had to basically... Uh, it it was thought that you had to earn God's love. And what Jesus was ushering in, uh, really, if you look at the, remember we talked about types and shadows, right? If you see what the sacrifices led up to, they were a precursor to what Jesus was going to be and that he was the ultimate sacrifice for not just the atonement, the temporary forgiveness of sins, but the eternal forgiveness of our sins. So, What happens ultimately is now the Pharisees, the chief priests are saying, who do you think you are? And if you are so powerful, show us a sign and a miracle. 
And I actually did not read uh, the final verse there. I want to show you. This is actually, we're going to go back to John 2 for a second. John 2, verse 23. It says, now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus didn't have to show off for anybody. And if you remember, we said God is sovereign. He doesn't have to show off for us, do tricks for us. He's God, not a genie. And the Pharisees asking for a sign, it really didn't matter. We see here, he was doing miracles and signs all over the place. But like we talked about, if you don't want to believe something, it doesn't matter what proof is brought to you. If you're not open to it, if you're closed-minded to it, you're not going to hear it. And that was them. But not all of them. As we see, there was a man, man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was among the most influential of them all. And he goes and he sees, he goes to see Jesus at night. And he approaches Jesus in secret. And let's watch this interaction with Nicodemus and then break it down. This is John 3, starting with verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So check this out for a second. They, this shows that the chief priests and the influential people behind the scenes, they're saying, what's up with this guy, Jesus? Is he from God? Or he must be from God. He's doing these things. But obviously to Jesus's face, they're not giving him any credibility at all. Now, there's a couple theories as to what Nicodemus is doing here. Maybe, just maybe, uh, Nicodemus is really trying to spy on Jesus and try to figure out what he's doing, right? It, it may, may come across as he didn't have the best of intentions, or maybe he is genuinely interested. And we see later on, that Nicodemus is actually there at the death and burial of Jesus. And he's there with Joseph of Arimathea. So there is strong, strong evidence that Nicodemus ends up becoming a believer. And let's read this interaction. So he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. No one can do these things unless God is with him. And Jesus answers him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's that term born again. Now, I want to tell you, I grew up going to church every Sunday, uh, St. Matthew's a Parish. I, I grew up in, in Catholicism. And I want to say this. This chapter is in all of our Bibles. There's not, whether, you're, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Protestant, whether you're Christian, whether you're Baptist, uh, you name it. Name a denomination. John 3 is in there. So we're all reading this same Bible. The interesting thing is growing up, I, we didn't really have an understanding of what the term born again meant. And I remember after really giving my life over to God and following God, so I would have some people say, oh, so you're one of those born again Christians. And with a little less tact, I'd say, well, that's the only kind of Christian. 
and it takes a little bit of an explanation. The term born again is not a denomination. It's not a different religion. And I thought that for a certain portion of my life. But Jesus here is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's not talking about a certain religion or a certain denomination. He's talking about a status with God. And Nicodemus does not understand what he's talking about. He says to him, he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus gives a pretty silly answer and saying, well, you're saying we need to be born again. Do I climb up in my mother's womb and, and just get born again? And if you notice, there's a pattern and there's a pattern in our lives. And there's a pattern with these Pharisees every time. They would think it's something physical, but really what God was trying to do was spiritual, including, remember, they were looking for a Messiah, a king, a general who was going to come in and crush their enemies. And God was really coming and trying to change their hearts, change them at the spiritual level. So Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? And enter, I can't enter into my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Let me dive into this here. Because sometimes this is misunderstood. People hear water, spirit. They think water baptism. That must be what we're talking about here. But that would really take the whole conversation out of its context. Nicodemus is asking about being born physically, and then Jesus is talking about water baptism. No, that can't be the case. Jesus is talking about the difference between physical birth and then spiritual birth. Okay? We are all born of water. When a woman has a baby, her water breaks. There is a physical birth. He's directly addressing Nicodemus here. And he's talking about also being born of the spirit. So there are two types of born. We're all, every single human being on this planet is born physically. Otherwise, you're not here. But Jesus is talking about a different birth, being born again. This is what the Bible also calls becoming a new creation. And as strange as that sounds, if you remember from a few days ago, we talked about God being a transformer and just like the wine wanting to transform what was on the inside. And that's what God wants to do. Let's keep going here. It says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? So Nicodemus is not getting it here. And Jesus answered him a little bit sharply here. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So Jesus is saying, this is like New Covenant 101, I'm trying to explain to you. Because Jesus would do a lot of things. He would, he would heal the sick, heal the lepers. There's so much that comes with being in the kingdom of God. And this is step one, right? Being born again. And he says, no one has ascended into heaven except those who, uh, except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lift, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the, must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So here he shows the prerequisite to what it means to be born again. But I want to explain this part about Moses. He says, as Moses was lifted up, uh, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, there, there's a, um, 
moment in the Israelites' history where Moses holds up this, uh, everybody is poisoned and dying, and Moses holds up this serpent in the air. And anyone that looked upon the serpent was healed. That was a type and shadow, a precursor to what would happen. Because what would happen to Jesus? He would bear our sins, go on the cross, and now all who look to him are healed and have life and are free from death because the wages of our sin is death. Ultimately, the price that we pay for our imperfection is death. But God has come that we would have life and have it abundantly. And he says here, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then he lays it out here, the famous verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son as a sacrifice, Jesus. That whoever believes in him, it's not whoever goes to seminary school. It's not whoever stops sinning. It's not whoever uh, named the work. We can't remember, we can't earn God's love. What he says, believe in me and you shall not perish and you shall have eternal life. We'll see in later chapters, chapters where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the Father is through me. So Jesus made a way. Jesus was the way made to the Father. Remember, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things that were created were created through the Word. We know the Word is Jesus and the way back to God. We're born through Jesus. Creation and then we are born again through Jesus back to God. And what happens when we accept this gift, and it is a gift, it is not something that you can earn. When we accept it, we are granted eternal life. And that doesn't just mean heaven. We are changed from the inside out. Verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Saved through what? The ramifications of our own sin, which is death. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, I want you to read this part because you could gloss over this and you could say, oh man, I, I'm evil in different parts of my, and, and you know, listen, you know, you and I both know the areas that we struggle in, but notice that it said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. People loved darkness rather than light. And we may like some of the things that we do wrong, but when we are having our quiet times at night, we know deep down inside that we need to change. We need to repent, which means to change direction. We know that. That is the Holy Spirit in us tugging on us. It says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light, but does not come to the light, lest the works should be exposed. And really what he's doing, he's pointing out the Pharisees, they were hypocrites they were in one way saying, showing that, that they were holy and mighty and saying, look at me. But at the same time, they're stoning people uh, for their sins and condemning people. It says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light 
so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Look, you do not get saved by your good works, but good works should follow a heart that is Christ's. You don't have to be perfect, but God is looking for willing. And, and if I can give you the attribute of God today, it is that he is a savior. That he is a savior. Salvation means to pull someone from great harm, from destruction. And scripture tells us that God wants not a single one of us to be lost. So what did he do? What did he do? And he did it out of love. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it's not just about perishing or going to some place that's not heaven after this. It's about having victory now. Because if we go back to being born of the spirit, what happens when you accept Christ, when you accept that gift, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. And that is the source of your life, of your eternal life. That is the source of the miraculous power that is possible for you. Because just like it says, flesh is born of flesh and stays flesh. Flesh is temporary, but the spirit is eternal. And that's what God wants. God wants to awaken the spirit being inside of you so that you can rely on that over the flesh and not be held back by your own imperfections and flaws. Because again, at the end of what you can do is the beginning of what he can do. So I invite you today to invite Jesus into your heart and to accept that gift of salvation. Accept that gift that God loved you so much that he gave his only son, that if you would only believe in him, that you would never perish, but have eternal life. I invite you to do that today. And if you've never made that decision before in your life, or if you're unsure if you have, today's the day. You don't have to go back and do anything and change anything. You can't earn it. If I buy you a gift, you don't have to buy it from me. You just have to accept it. So I invite you, as you listen to the sound of my voice, to pray this with me. Say, Father God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I make mistakes. But thank you that you forgive me. Today I declare that Jesus is my Lord. I accept the gift of salvation. I accept the gift of salvation. And I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead for me. And because of that, I want my place in the kingdom of God. Guide me, Father. Guide us, Father. And we will do our best to follow you all the days of our life. Amen. My name is Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. And you are listening to The 1% Christian. We are going to continue through John chapter 3 tomorrow. I ask you to give a like, give a share, share this with somebody. Somebody you know needs to hear this message. And we will get going tomorrow. Love you guys. God bless.